Hi and welcome along to this week's episode of Canna Chat, where we casually chat about all things cannabis related. We appreciate you tuning in. All views expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and in no way medical advice. Welcome to episode 6 of Canna Chat. Tim and I were just discussing there how strange it is to, for me to have actually been medicating legally now after 20 years of hiding in the shadows and feeling like I was a criminal for medicating with natural medicine uh, for all these years for anxiety and depression. Um, now to actually be able to do it legally and carry my medicine with me is still a bit strange to me, to be honest. Um, I suppose it just becomes natural with the stigma being attached to it for so many years. The stigma is obviously still there in the back of my head to a degree. It brings it into relation to about all the people that have been punished unfairly all these years for using cannabis as a medicine and um, all the people that have been put in jail and had criminal records for well no apparent reason I was we see because they were medicating with something natural and criminalised for it. Sort of puts things into perspective of how unfair that is and how unjust that is and if things do get legalised and, and fully medicinally and recreationally um, what happens to all these people that have been jailed unfairly or had criminal records unfairly i suppose even if people have lost jobs or you know have records maybe just removing the records from their criminal yeah something history. as simple as that the where it is it's just i think recognition is what i'm looking for just recognition for people that haven't been doing it doing something that yes it's it was illegal at the time but it doesn't mean it's it's wrong just because it's illegal doesn't mean it's wrong i mean that's proven now with cannabis um as i say cannabis has been legalized medicinally and recreationally in so many countries now it proves that it was unjust for it to be made illegal for so many years and it was stigmatized for so many years especially with so many using it now beneficially and just on the medical side of things while i'm there uh, we have had a few questions sent in by a few people uh, first one is how long does the process take from a plan to actually get in your medical cannabis process for me took around two weeks things are starting to move a wee bit slower at the minute because there's been a lot more people applying from what i've heard certainly through Zerani clinics anyway i was speaking to them through the week and they says that the intake is certainly ramped up slightly uh, so at the minute it's maybe taking three weeks three and a half weeks and uh, from you lift the phone until you actually have your medical cannabis in hand first part of the process is lift the phone or send an email to the clinic register they'll send you an email back you fill in the forms the relevant forms to release your doctor's notes explain a wee bit about your condition your ailments within three to four days you'll receive word back from them to say that you've got a consultation coming up you'll then pay for your consultation you'll get your consultation within i'd say around five to seven days after your consultation your doctor your gp their private doctor there will decide whether you're entitled or whether he thinks it's going to benefit you medicinal cannabis if he thinks it'll benefit you he'll prescribe it there and then after that it'll take it goes through a board after that the board usually sit once a week so the board sit and the board uh, review his decision if they agree with his decision then it goes ahead and the pharmacy will then be in touch with you within a few days pharmacy contacts you uh, you pay for your prescription pay for your prescription the pharmacy releases your prescription that day and within two days it's in the post uh, brought by a courier to your door uh, that's how simple a process it is which to me is it's is really a leap forward in comparison to people not knowing how or where to go about this so many months ago. And would that be the kind of thing like a normal prescription for other medication where you can order a repeat prescription? 
It's exactly what it's like. Uh, what you do is after you've got your first prescription, uh, you see your, your private doctor four weeks again, another Zoom call. He reviews your medicine, how you've been getting on with it. You just be open and honest and say, yes, it's been good. It, or I've had slight side effects of being too tired at night or whatever the case may be, or you're using it during the day, it's causing a bit of tiredness. Just be open and honest and tell him how you're feeling with the medication, how much it's helping your pain, how much it's helping your anxiety, whatever the, the condition is you're using it for. From that, he can then elaborate whether you've got the right strain or whether you should be prescribed a different strain that's more beneficial to you. If you have had side effects from that strain that just don't agree with you, i.e. a bit of tiredness or whatever the case may be, he'll prescribe you another strain to try. Or certainly if that strain is the one that's working for you and you're feeling totally on point with that strain, then certainly he'll re-prescribe that strain for you that month. But it's, I think it's generally every three to four weeks for the first few months you see the private GP on a Zoom call and just to review your meds and how you are getting on. But yeah, if your meds are working, it's just a case of contact them and get a pre-prescription off that once you find that the strain that's working for you. But it says there's so many thousands of strains out there. Sometimes it might take a wee bit of, wee bit of altering just to get the right one for you. A bit of trial and error just to see what works for you best for your own endocannabinoid system and your own balance. I suppose like, like every medicine, really. It's exactly it. I mean, that, bit of trial and error. Yeah, some things just don't work for everybody exactly the same, and it's the same with cannabis strains. Say some are, are high THC levels, some are high CBD levels, and some are in between. But again, it's not just down to that. It's down to the flavonoids and the terpenes and, and everything else. It creates the entourage effect in, in the cannabis plant. Again, on the another question we got asked that that just brought into my head there of a few people asking this week the difference between flavonoids and terpenes. It's a it's a bit of a complicated question because they're so similar. Flavonoids is one of the most understated compounds in cannabis. It's research is still very low on it. There hasn't been a lot of research done on flavonoids, but they're certainly seeing a lot of benefits from flavonoids. As I say, they're very close to terpenes in their nature. They both help the plant decipher its smell and its taste. They both have input, unique input into that. The difference between flavonoids and terpenes that I can see really find as concrete is that the flavonoids will decipher the color of a plant where the terpenes have no input in that whatsoever. It's down to the flavonoids on the side. Some, from some people don't realize, some cannabis plants have purple tones, some cannabis plants are pure green, some have orange tones, some have slight red tones, some have even deep black tones going through them. And there's even albino cannabis plants. So all this is down to the flavonoids that decide the color of it. Um, there's thousands of flavonoids throughout nature, but there's around 20 flavonoids in the cannabis plant itself, which are, as a group, are called canaflavins. These have different benefits similar to terpenes um, anti-inflammatory antibacterial analgesic all different benefits again from a lot of these flavonoids the flavonoids will give you benefit on their own the terpenes will give you benefit on their own and the two combined will again give you extra benefits again add that to cannabinoids and you're getting extra benefits again we're going back to where we've talked in a few podcasts before about the entourage effect the more you bring into the mix cannabinoids terpenes flavonoids the more of the full plant you bring into the mix the more benefit you're getting and again that's why so many people focus on the full plant because that's where you're getting maximum benefit again that that leads me to another point that i want to want to touch on tim is a lot of people are still shopping for thc percentage when they're buying a plant so mm. if they're looking for a cannabis strain, they're looking has THC, thinking that's the best strain. So if someone goes to Amsterdam, especially recreationally more so, um, but definitely, certainly a lot of people I'm seeing are having that issue. If they're, they're thinking, well, I've got serious pain, so I need the strongest THC. It's not a case of that. It's a big misconception. Um, THC percentage is overrated. Uh, sometimes it's maybe down to ego with the recreational side of things. Some people, oh, I'm smoking 28% THC instead of 15. I don't know whether that's maybe part of the reason why people do it in recreational side of things, but I think 
it's accidental in the medicinal side of things where people are thinking they need a high THC content to handle their condition because they think their condition's extreme, should it be extreme pain or whatever the case may be they're treating. Again, high THC won't just target that. It's down to the balance of the flavonoids, the cannabinoids, the terpenes, creating the entourage effect. And I say everybody's endocannabinoid system's different. And it's finding the right strain for your endocannabinoid system with the right flavonoids and terpenes and THC and CBD level. As I say, I like a nice one-to-one balance, which would be maybe 15% THC, 15% CBD. It could be 10% of each. But that one-to-one balance seems to be what works really well for me for anxiety and depression. It works for a lot of people anxiety and depression too. Too high THC strain will send my anxiety off the charts. Too high CBD strain won't send it off the charts, but it won't help my pain the same or my depression the same. So again, it's finding the right strains that work for you. Uh, back to flavonoids again. They protect their body from creating toxins. They're highly antioxidant. Uh, they're antibacterial. Uh, some of them are antiviral. There's actually one flavonoid that is in tea as well as cannabis and it's one of the most beneficial flavonoids out of them all it's called orientin it's antibiotic anti-inflammatory neuroprotective and it's antibiotic so it's one of the most beneficial of all the flavonoids and say it's in tea and in cannabis so it proves the benefits of some of the flavonoids on their own without adding them again the terpenes and adding them to cannabinoids to increase the benefit of everything again as a team working together as we've talked about a few times in the podcast Again, another question we're asked was about the quality of meds that's been prescribed. Um, all I can do is give you my personal opinion on that. Uh, the quality of the meds, it's it's, it's a fair quality. Um, it's a commercial quality, as you would expect. Uh, but yes, it is good quality. It, it, it works the very best. It has good terpene profile. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's not certainly not what some people would call dead weed that's been left in jars for long uh, what i would say is it's maybe a wee bit over dry what you, there, there's solutions for that again if, if you're cannabis if you buy your cannabis and it's over dry there's certain things you can introduce to it to, to reintroduce the moisture naturally uh, there's what's called bovida sachets you add them into your jar and they will reintroduce the moisture and hold the moisture of your cannabis to 62 percent of where it's it's optimum Um, you will actually smell the terpenes sort of day degree come back to life once you've done that if your cannabis is too dry there's also so as i don't discriminate against products because i'm not here to promote anything and there's also what's called grove bags grove bags are a very similar idea they're just a bag that will do the same they claim to retain the the moisture between 58 to 62 percent as well and they have what's called terp lock which will retain the terpenes into the bag. It's a very similar idea to bovida sachet. The bovida sachet is basically pure water with salt inside it, and over time it'll crystallize. And once crystallized, it's done. Uh, but it's too—they're both too wet humidity, so they both will. If your cannabis is too wet, they'll take the moisture out of it as well. It's advanced technology. I can't comprehend how the bags actually work, but I can vouch that both products do work very, very well. And as I say. The reason you would do that if your cannabis is too dry is because if your cannabis is too dry and you're vaping, it's going to be very harsh in your throat. That's one of the benefits. Plus, again, I say the terpene profile won't be as, as lively if the cannabis is over dry. So you won't enjoy the plant the same to you. At the end of the day, if you've got medicine, you may as well try and enjoy it. <laughs> We're lucky that cannabis has uh, enjoyable side effects rather than a lot of the side effects from a lot of the medicines. So uh, it's nice to be able to make the most out of your cannabis. And that's the only reason I've explained the moisture content in the, in the cannabis like that. So what was the two reasons you have the the flavor essentially and the what was the other one the harshness, the um, harshness. if you if you if you vaporize or, or combust a dry plant it'll be a lot more harsh in your throat and your chest pardon me where if your moisture levels are on point it'll be a lot smoother 
and, and, and again, if you if anybody's vaping, you want to make it as smooth as possible. Uh, medicinally, it's recommended not to combust them. And that's what the, the pharmacies and stuff are recommending not to combust. So they're recommending the vape. Vape-wise, you would use basically one of two, two main devices in the industry that are recognized for high-quality vaping. One's called the PAX. PAX is a small device that fits in your, your pocket or your, your handbag, or whatever the case may be. Uh, Mighty would be the other one. Uh, they're both they're both small devices that will fit in your pocket or your handbag that will vaporize the cannabis so as it's it's not combusted. It's it's a safer way to consume. Very very similar to smoking, but it's it's done at different temperatures. Um, you get the maximum terpene profile and the maximum flavor out of out of vaporizing too, which is also a bonus of vaporizing. Uh, but I say the main main reason you would do that is to kill the harshness and to give you maximum benefit of your flavor if if the moisture control is perfect in your cannabis. And what happens if it's the other way, like too damp? If it's too wet, it's it's the same. It'll be harsh in your throat and your chest as well, but it's not good for you because you're getting moisture. You're inhaling the moisture and you don't want to inhale too much moisture, so you want a good balance to where the, the plant is dried, right? It's like when a plant is harvested, it has to be hung for seven to ten days first. That That's the drying process. After the drying process and the stalks are snapping, then it goes into jars for another seven days to two weeks. That's a called, what's called a curing process. The curing process is just basically what's creating the optimum flavor profile for your plant. So if you're curing it in jars, you would pop the jars maybe twice a day for the first two weeks to let it breathe for a minute. Close the jars again, and that and that'll retain the terpene profile in the plant. Uh, that's the best way to harvest and, and cure plants. People that don't do that right, they just pull a plant down and, and they dry it in a box and then expect to smoke it. It will work, it will give benefits, but it won't give full benefit. It's like anything, if you do, uh, it's like commercially grown weed and c- comparing commercially grown cannabis with small batch cannabis. Small batch cannabis is basically someone doing it on a small scale. It's like anything small batch. So someone doing it as a hobby in their garden or in their garage or whatever the case may be. They're growing cannabis, but they're putting that personal attention in that cannabis every day. They're showing that plant love and care and attention. And that's, that's affecting the end product. There's no doubt. It's the same as a chef creating a top dish if he's creating that with passion and, and with love of what he's doing that top dish is going to taste so much better than someone just throwing it together in a mcdonald's and it's the same with small batch growing cannabis versus commercial scale small batch is always going to stand above it because it's had that personal care and that personal care comes through in the end product then that leads on to what's called single source as i said before there's extracts and and so on come from cannabis now after the farm process people can extract different extracts for high concentration that leads down to single source where people some people do that right from the start of the process so there's some farmers out there will grow the cannabis and then they'll cure the cannabis and then they'll create single source extracted cannabis like rosins and so on the highly concentrated forms that's all single source that's been done f- straight from seed through to the oil from one person um, again the quality shines through with all these people because they have the passion it's like what i spoke about before with different brands like jungle boys and stuff who have been in the game from day one they have the passion behind the brand and that's why their product is so much better i firmly believe that it is down to the love for the plant and what they do rather than someone just jumping in the industry for for the money of it the the, the grow cannabis on a commercial scale they'll never create the same quality of product as someone doing it with a passion for it again i'll go back to cooking and things like that that's the best way to relate it to someone that doesn't understand but someone can understand when you talk about cooking and about it that's why people go to top chefs because their food is so much better their food's better because they've got the passion behind what they're doing as well as using top quality product it's the same in the cannabis industry these growers are using top quality nutrients they're making sure they're well flushed out and they're doing it all with love and care and that's why they get so much 
good top quality product as the end product in comparison to, as I say, commercial cannabis. You're making me think about food there when you were talking to. <laughs> uh, it, made me, um, it made me think of a show I watched recently about steaks. Mm-hmm. You're talking about sort of single source and, and dry, essentially dry aging the product mm-hmm. and, and drying it to a certain, you know, you know humidity and Doing so forth. Right. Uh, but yeah, it makes sense. Just the more, as you say, love you put into it. It's exactly what it is. It tastes better and that's why you can command a premium for best, the premium best food. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's no different to any other industry that way. Anything you pour love into will show in an end product. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that's why certain products work better than others. It's just simply because of the passion someone has put into it. In, in the making process and the whole R&D process of it. I'll just touch base on another question I got asked. It's about animals. Dogs and cats, uh, someone sent in a question asking, do they have an endocannabinoid system and do they use cannabis the same way everybody else does? Well, clearly they're not going to really join. I'm sure they don't mean in that way. The way I'm sure the way they mean is, does it affect them the same way? Does it affect them at all? Does it not affect them? Uh, yes, dogs and dogs and cats and most other animals and mammals have an endocannabinoid system as well, just the same as humans. So yes, it should be treated the same way humans should be treated. They should have cannabinoids in their diet the same way we should. As I say, cannabis was in our diet years ago when the cattle was fed through hemp and then it came through and filtered through to us and so on. We're, we're juicing it and blending it and putting it in food years ago too when it wasn't illegal. This has all changed. As I say, our endocannabinoid system is truly starved now. Dogs and cats are no different. Dogs and cats get health issues the same way we do. I'm a firm believer that the, the health issues they get, again, stem from endocannabinoid deficiency like I said in the last episode endocannabinoid deficiency is medically recognised now so if it's if it's medically recognised in humans what makes animals so different nothing they're starved of it the same way we are now since the law changed in the 1900s the only thing I would say about dogs and cats is especially dogs is that they're hypersensitive to THC other cannabinoids seem to be fine but THC dogs and cats seem to be hypersensitive to so you'd be careful if you're administering THC you would only do it in minimal amounts but the only reason you would really want to administer THC to your cats and dogs is if the, if you're treating cancer or anything sort of serious like that bar that CBD and CBG and, and other main cannabinoids should get give them a good quality of life and a good balance throughout their life and um, to me I mean if dogs are my own and they get cannabinoids every day in the same way they get their U-move. It's, it's no different. Uh, two vitamins, I, I feel I'm giving them the benefit them and giving them a better long quality of life. Uh, so if, if anybody's asking, should they be giving their dogs and cats CBD? Yes, uh, do it in small minimal amounts and do it by body weight of the dog. So if you're a small dog, real minimal amounts. Obviously a bigger dog, you're going to need a wee bit more, but not just as much as humans. Have you ever seen a resource online or anywhere that, that sort of gives you a way to calculate body weight? You can you can calculate the body weight, uh, but again, it's to me it's not accurate one hundred percent because it's down to everybody being different again. It's like your endocannabinoid system is going to be slightly different, and sometimes you can't just, in my eyes, pinpoint it on a weight. It's the same with people. I mean, there's, there's references for people for body weight as well for CBD. But again, it's like alcohol and other prescription drugs. Someone may be more susceptible to one drug or, or than another person. And that's cannabis is exactly the same and no different. And that's why I find it hard to just strictly target based on the weight of an animal or a person. I think you should start, maybe start in around the recommended dose. 
maybe a bit lower and build yourself up and watch for the results yourself and say you'll see you'll see a lift in mood with anybody or any animals that are taking cbd and they've got their their target and their tolerance on point once you get their tolerance on point you'll feel a difference in yourself the dog's the same you'll see a difference in the dog you'll see a spring in its step you'll see it looking happier I mean, we can sense how our dogs are feeling through through the look and through the wag of the tail and everything else all the other signs you know when your dog's happy and when you're not especially when it's living with you 24 7 so you can sense if your dog's in a better form and when you see it on that better form and in that better tune then that's where to keep that that's that's a dog's balance once you've found that then don't go past it because as i say if you go past your sweet spot with cbd or any, any other cannabinoids you can set your endocannabinoid system out of balance just the same way it's out of balance before it has cannabinoids it just goes the opposite direction so uh, like i say we're back to balance again <laughs> every time in, in the episode we're always back to balance but it is what it is that's what it all boils down to responsible use and balance and i say i think we can all have a high quality of life using cannabis if, if we keep that in play and would you recommend similarly similarly to you mentioned with humans that with animals you would give them a break every so often no doubt um it's the same with every, everybody and everything i recommend everybody takes a break four to six weeks for, from consuming your cbd food plant cannabis whatever you're consuming take a break for every four to six weeks for one to two days you'll feel your ailments increase again proves to you it's working as well but when you feel your ailments increase you take a break for one to two days then you go back on your medicine. The only reason you're doing that is to keep your tolerance at the right level. And say if you're consuming 10 milligram a day, after two months you're going to be consuming 15 to get that same relief. Then you're going to consume 20 milligram a day in two months. Then you're going to consume 25 and so on. This will just inc- keep increasing wherever. If you take a break every four to six weeks and do the same for your animals, it keeps this, the sweet spot tolerance exactly the same for you. So you, you'll be able to stay on 10 milligram a day long term. Um, there's no reason you won't be unless any ailments increase on you you should be able to stay at your own specific sweet spot it's just fine that sweet spot for each one of us is the hardest bit pardon me and that's why I say to everybody start small and build up just take three to five days to let your endocannabinoid system awaken build yourself up slowly but surely until you feel the benefits once you feel the benefits stick at that dose that's your dose Um, I say after that give it a break every four to six weeks for one to two days and then go back onto that dose again and that should keep you well balanced and regulated that should help certainly help create homeostasis in your body so that's all the questions and stuff covered for this week and all the topics i wanted to touch base on just for next week if anybody wants to ask any questions at all no matter how silly they may sound feel free to send them in to the instagram to tiktok if we stay on we get banned from tiktok every other week so we're having trouble there at the minute but instagram uh youtube spotify feel free to contact us and send in any questions you want to send us and we'll certainly answer them as best we can uh feel that if you liked and enjoyed this give us a wee like and subscribe on youtube and follow on spotify and we'll catch you again in a few weeks watch the full video podcast on youtube at kaput network We'd like to thank you for joining us for this week's episode. We'll catch you again soon for some more Canna Chat. And remember, the real crime is knowing cannabis can help others, but doing nothing about it.